Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, presented by Masses Restaurants. There's five locations in St. Louis, and we'll talk about Masses here in a little bit. But today I'm excited because we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite, maybe an idol, an icon. When I was a kid, three people I wanted to be when I grew up, or wanted to at least interview, Vince McMahon, Howard Stern, or David Letterman. And uh, today we got a guy who uh, did a book. His name is Scott Ryan, and the book is called Last Days of Letterman. And I welcome Scott to Here's the Pitch. Thanks, Scott, for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. And was I the fourth person on that <laughs> list that you always wished you could interview? You're number 10 or 11, possibly. Oh, okay. Well, top 10. <laughs> top 10. That sounds Letterman to me. So, so yeah, you, you wrote this book, and it's called The Last Days of Letterman. Basically chronicles, chronicles the last six weeks of Dave's show um, in 2015 when he was retiring and you got to talk to about 20, 25 staffers. Didn't get Dave, but uh, you did get Barbara Gaines, who was uh, the, the main producer, uh, Bill Sheft. A lot of people have heard his his name. He's a, one of the head writers. And then uh, Vinny Falvalli. You know, again, if you're a Stern fan, you've heard of Vinny. So just tell me uh, how this came about. How did you decide uh, that you were going to write this? And then uh, it looks like it's getting successful for you. Ah, thank you. Um, Well, when I watched it when it was on the air in 2015, I was blown away by these episodes. I had been a Dave fan for really as long as I could remember. and But these six weeks of episodes kind of broke the talk show mold again. And it was about actually talking and having good conversation and preparing for your appearance. And at the time I thought I'm, I'm honestly watching television history, but I was too much of a fan to consider it as a book at that point. And then a year later I got fired from my job. I worked at a major cable company. I don't want to give the name. I'll just give the initials TWC. No one will be able to figure it out. And um, the, I had to give my DVR back, and my DVR had the last six weeks on it. So I watched them again, and that is really what sparked the book, because I was like, this is incredible and needs to be documented. Yeah, and the first thing you said there, I didn't even think about that, because um, I just thought about Dave and what he was kind of going through those last six weeks, but you mentioned the guests. They all came prepared, like, you, like you said, they they had to come and bring it because it was a special invite to be part of these last six weeks. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't just normally what a talk show is, is it's a way to sell your product. That is what people do. They have a new crappy movie out, so they come on and everyone pretends it's not a new crappy movie. But in the last six weeks, I think there's only two guests who go on to sell their movies. And you think there's, you know, three guests a night for six weeks. That's a lot of people who are just coming on to thank Dave for what he did. So I got to be honest, I I loved, so I grew up uh, a kid of the 80s just watching TV nonstop. And I I just, the 80s Dave Letterman, uh, the NBC show, I I still watch it on YouTube. My wife gets mad at me because Sunday mornings, (laughs) I just run it on repeat because I just think, one, I mean, the guests are great, but two, Dave is just so great. And I think, um, you know, many people kind of mention that Dave seemed fairly bored and just 
uh, formulaic towards the end of his time. I, I thought the last eight to ten years it felt that way. Did you get that sense while you were watching it? And then, and the fact that wow, it it did change these last six weeks. Yeah, I think once he announced his retirement, I mean, you could have made an argument that I could have covered from retirement on, but that would really have been a ridiculous book. Uh, it would have been too much. I think when he knew it was ending, it did jumpstart him. And, it, and I don't even have to say I think. I mean, Jerry Foley, who was the director of all of the episodes, he said the reason those last six weeks were so good is because Dave's involvement was heightened and he was in charge of everything. He had opinion about everything that happened and he said when dave was involved the show was better i think also it seemed funny that i think once he got close to the end he thought what am i doing why am i retiring now i'm having fun (laughs) these shows are good i could do this a couple more years didn't you feel that way yeah i mean especially in the jerry seinfeld uh appearance jerry turns the tables on dave and jerry sits in behind the desk and makes Dave sit in the chair and he says, why are you doing this? This is stupid. And Dave admits that he doesn't know why he's doing it and it might very well be stupid. But I do think that now Dave is happy he did it. I don't think he regrets it at all. We'll get back to our interview with Scott Ryan, the author of Last Days of Letterman. Hope you're enjoying this and just letting you know that This is sort of the plan going forward here. I'm going to just find people that uh, have written interesting things or have done interesting things. We'll continue doing baseball. Please stick with me for those. But uh, if you're a Dave Letterman fan like me, pop culture fan, these are kind of things I kind of want to do here. And that's why I've changed the name to Here's the Pitch. And uh, here's the pitch. He's pitching his book. See, see, that's what we're doing here. But I want to mention uh, my title sponsor, Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis, stlmasses.com. You can look them up, and uh, if you're in the St. Louis area, you know you know about them. You've, your podcast friend has sent you over there. You know, Wednesday nights at the Baldwin location, you can actually meet the proprietor of Masses, Jack Massa. He's behind the bar, and if you tell him your podcast friend Brad sent you, you never know. Maybe uh, you know some cheese bread will come your way, some tea ravs, maybe even a drink. I can tell you that Jack Massa loves to hear that people are enjoying Brad's podcast Here's the pitch, formerly baseball and beyond. And I do want to mention again, uh, if you've heard me before talk about my YouTube channel, I do like people to go over there and subscribe. It's uh, S-T Weekly, S-T-W-E-E-K-L-Y. I put all these podcasts over there along with old interviews that I did back in the 90s for my television show, Sports Talk Weekly, hence the name S-T Weekly. So please go to YouTube, subscribe, and help Brad get to 1,000 subscribers. If I'm not there already... And then lastly, if you want to uh, talk to me about sponsoring, you know, the masses, they've been great. They're our title sponsor, but we're always looking for more. I can just drop in some ads into these old episodes. They're all evergreen. So if you want to go back and listen to Joe Buck, he talks about his book. Uh, But there's really not much new content in there. It basically holds today. So you can uh, come to me on Twitter, Brad Straubinger, just my name, S-T-R-A-U-B-I-N-G-E-R. Go to my Twitter and tell me you want to be a sponsor on the big podcast. Let's get back to our interview now. Um, Jerry Seinfeld did his first uh, stand-up material that he did uh, on Dave. I think it was 1983 or 1984. He just repeated the exact same stuff, which was amazing because 
I think Dave is the only one who realized it until uh, he he sat down. He said, "Didn't you do that? Was it your first bit?" So that's great that Seinfeld his his stuff still works from 1983 to today. Um, so that was fun. But I think the one uh, a lot of people remember is Norm Macdonald. I'm again a huge Norm Macdonald fan, um, and he you you have a great story that he said, "Hey, I I need to do stand up on that night. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Norm show." Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Norm had been on as a guest recently, and they they sort of weren't bringing people back who had been on. They were trying to to spread it around a little bit. And Norm contacted them and said, I don't want to be a guest. I want to do stand-up. And that sort of surprised everyone that that, that was his request. So they had decided that Norm would be the last stand-up that's ever done on the late show with David Letterman. When he came that day, he came super early, like ridiculously early because Jerry Foley, again, the director said he wanted to soak up that, that feeling of being in the Ed Sullivan and sort of wandered around the studio all day and wouldn't really tell people what he had planned. They, they didn't know that he was going to tell Dave's, the first joke he ever heard Dave tell and all of that emotion that suddenly surprised Norm and, and came to him. That was obviously not planned to break down and, and cry, but I think that day overwhelmed Norm. And it, in my opinion, is the greatest stand-up performance anyone ever did on a late-night talk show host. Yeah, Norm, Norm is just... You don't think of him crying or caring, and he just... He was such a huge Dave fan. I guess all these guys were. It, it had to be hard for them to plan out six weeks because you you see now Jimmy Kimmel just fawns over him. Uh, even Jimmy Fallon fawns over him. I mean, it really was the end of an era. And I think that's what's great about it. it, it these guys, the the Norm Macdonalds, the Bill Murrays, Tom Hanks. They're still legends, but it's like the legend, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop today is Ryan Gosling or Bieber or Taylor Swift. And it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't equate with me. Like, you just have these great names that like want to be on Dave's show. Um, and they picked Bill Murray, obviously, as the last guy. Talk about that relationship they have with Bill Murray. He was on the first, I think, the morning show, the first show in 1982 on NBC, the first one on CBS. So it's obvious he's coming back. But how did him and... Did him and Dave, I guess they knew each other way back when, but Bill wasn't a comedian. I guess it was just from being in that NBC building a lot, huh? Yes, and the thing about Bill Murray is he does not have an agent, and no one represents him. So you can't get Bill Murray. Uh, Sheila Rogers, who was the booking agent, said that she had a number that she could text, and it was Bill's. And she, when they needed him, she would text him and she said sometimes he would respond and sometimes he wouldn't and sometimes he would respond with something that wasn't helpful, that wasn't answering the question and was something utterly ridiculous. And she'd be like, does that mean he's coming or, or whatever? Because that's sort of Bill Murray. But Bill Sheff talked about how he was standing in the hallway outside of Dave's dressing room after the show that Bill Murray was on. And he said you could hear these two guys just talking like regular people. They weren't talking about show business. 
they were just friends. And he said he doesn't really know that either of them get that too often. I think they had such a history that they were just two guys. They were friends. Talking to uh, Scott Ryan, he wrote the uh, book Last Days of Letterman. It's out right now. You can get it wherever books are sold. I got it on uh, Apple Books, uh, Amazon, Kindle. Um, I loved it. I mean, like I said, I, I contacted you right away. I said, I think I need, I need, to, I need to talk to you. So all these stories, <laughs> there's a million stories in there. Uh, so I'll, I'll obviously let you uh, read them yourself if you're listening to this. But I do. I, I, you mentioned the Eddie Vedder show. I, I remember watching that uh, that night. Eddie Vedder comes on, does Better Man, and he does it with Paul's Paul's band, Paul Schaefer. He doesn't bring Pearl Jam, and I just could not believe how good it was. It just that song. It's it, it's such a, a, a the, the song starts slow. Uh, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan from back in the day, so I hear this song, and just the way that was performed, I had to watch it over and over again. Um, and that's a story there where, you know, they, they wanted to get that thing right. And, and Paul and Eddie, and they, they had the energy, they, they, they all were feeling it, right? Yeah. And several of the staff singled that performance out and they said, you know, there were certain people when they came that all the staff would come down and watch them rehearse. And one of the guys who ran the social media platform he said he snuck behind the CBS orchestra and just stood in the back. And he said the feeling that Eddie was like shooting out, you know, how much that performance mattered to him, how much they put into it is some, is, was his most vibrant memory of the whole, his entire, and I think he worked for Dave for like 20 years something ridiculous. And what I think's impressive about that is there's a shot. You're right. It does start out slow. And then there's a shot where you can see the audience is standing and the audience didn't stand through music performances on Dave, but obviously when he came out, he must've got a standing ovation that's not on air. And the audience stands through that entire number, which to me, is a first. I don't ever remember saying that before. Yeah, and again, it just it just makes me think that all these people who I grew up watching, Eddie Vedder and uh, Bill Murray and Norm Macdonald, you could tell that this was, to me, like, oh, my goodness, you know, Eddie Vedder on Jimmy Fallon just doesn't seem to be the same. Right. Um, the last, the last, well, and before we move from Eddie Vedder, since you're a big fan, have you seen Eddie Vedder's tribute to Dave when Dave got the Mark Twain Award? Oh yeah, I've seen that, and then I've seen, okay, and, then I've, and then the repeat, the other side where Dave <laughs> inducts them into the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, that's great too. Yeah, they're just it's amazing how how much um, those those guys respect each other. Um, the last uh, show before I get to that final show, which is I'm, I definitely want to ask you about, was the Howard Stern. Howard was obviously uh, one of the biggest name guests he'd have on all the time. Uh, they had this weird relationship. Did you? I didn't get to the point. Did you get any stories about his pre-interviews? Because Howard would always talk about hating to do the pre-interview. Um, so talk about that a little bit. And then the other thing I thought interesting about that is having him and Don Rickles on the same show. And they didn't normally do a Tonight Show type panel where Johnny had you know Dom DeLuise and Burke Reynolds sitting on the couch right. together. But this one night, which I thought was great, I'm like, this is why this, this is so unbelievable. Howard would normally leave, but it's Don Rickles, Howard, and Dave, and it just is perfect. 
Well, yeah, and they sort of said that the idea of giving Don the target of Howard Stern once, and they said it was Dave's idea, you know, that, that Dave wanted them out there together. And, you know, that's just, that's awesome. And it's not in the book, but when Howard had Dave on Howard's show recently, um, Dave asked Howard about that and Howard said, you know, I always wanted to be ridiculed by Don, De Don DeLuise, you, Sorry. Uh, Don Rickles. <laughs> and he said, once I was, I hated it. I didn't like it at all. It did upset me and it wasn't fun in any way. So Howard Stern, it's kind of hilarious. And I almost put it in the book and then did an asterisk that it came from the show, but everything else didn't, you know, came from that time period. So I, I cut that part, but I think that's funny. So what's really funny to me, and now I'm not a huge Jay Leno fan. I'm just thinking this out loud, though. The fact that I remember Johnny Carson's last show. I was in my 20s or teens, actually, whatever I was. But I remember how big that was. I remember my grandparents and my parents, like, just huddled around. And the Robin Williams, Bette Midler show. And then the last one was obviously the Eclipse show. I think the next one that comes to mind, and it's not even a real show, is Larry Sanders, where they spoof the final show, but then all these huge names come, Jim Carrey comes, and does a real performance on it. So again, I don't remember Jay Leno's Tonight Show ending. It just didn't, I guess, because he had another show coming. But this one they seem to be planning for, and all these huge names come to join. So how to, how, talk about just what you heard about getting this last show right. Um, you mentioned that Dave, once he retired, started, he talked about this montage before. So I, I don't want to get into the montage yet, but at the very end, there's this great picture montage, but they, they had been working up to this show, um, in classic talk show, uh, lore, like we're going to make this last one, the greatest one. Yeah. I mean, they, Barbara Gaines had said that I think when they, they started thinking about it when he hit 20 years at CBS. And I think he went 28 years at CBS. I could be wrong about that, but it's in that. Well, it's probably no. 12 minus 33. Yeah. 93, that is. 93, 93 <laughs> to 2015. This whole millennium kind of screws up my math to have to do. I know, carry yeah. carry well, the five, you know, it's. Yeah, so it's like 22 or something. So they um, that is when they started thinking about it because they, they knew a 20th anniversary was coming up. So actually it had to be before that. And they said, we should, we should have something for when Dave retires. So they at least were planning it for three years, if not more. Um, but it's interesting that you point out Larry Sanders because I think that's the best episode of Larry is the last one and how they do that final show. And Brian Tetta, who was one of the bookers and a segment producer on The Late Show, he said in his mind that's what he was competing with was the last Larry Sanders episode, which is kind of a strange meta comparison. Well, I saw that in your book and I thought it was great. And uh, so this top 10 list is when, because you wonder, okay, who all is going to show up? It's, it's Dave's last show, and he's pretty much had all of his friends on in the last six, six weeks. How does he do this? So they do a top 10 list, 
And at one point, standing next to each other is Steve Martin, Jerry Seinfeld, Jim Carrey, and Chris Rock. So I, you can't think of four more iconic comedy minds. Um, but in my, in my mind, Barbara Walters seemed out of place. Uh, and then Peyton Manning was there because Dave's a huge Colts fan. I think I remember reading that uh, before I saw yeah. your book. Um, but just tell me a little bit about I don't think anybody was missing from that list. I mean, Howard could have been on there, but Howard had just been on a couple nights before. Tom Hanks had just been on a couple nights before. I don't think anybody's missing from that top ten list. Is there someone that I didn't see that I, I know Bill Murray was the last one? I think one. there is for me, and I know why they had Barbara Walters. I think she was a longtime guest, and I think Dave always – respected her and then also from the optics of having another female i think it helps but to me it's regis who's missing i think regis should have been in the in the top 10 i mean i guess the thing about regis and the late show is never getting any true respect even though dave did respect him but it was like comic disrespect so maybe putting him there would have been out of place. But I would have liked to see – personally, I would have got rid of Alec Baldwin and put in Regis. And, I, I mean, I'm, Alec's not inviting me on Here's the Thing podcast, so <laughs> I can say that. I'd just get rid of Alec Baldwin just period, just out of our, our world. And so <laughs> it doesn't seem like a real good person. So we could get rid of him and let him go. Um, so – I think this the, – so there's a whole thing about the top ten list um, because this is the point of the show that is – I think it's the biggest point of the show. It's The top ten list is what Dave did for 30 years. Uh, this show, this final show, is basically a clip show with Dave being able to welcome Stephen Colbert, thanking people, but some clips. But here's where all the celebrities come out. And these guys all are very worried about what their lines are. Can you just talk a little bit about how – this took a long time to write, even though they're little one-liners. Each person was like, oh, "I'm not saying that. This is I wouldn't say that to Dave." Tell me a little bit about that top ten list. So they had told me that they had worked on that top ten list for about a month, and it, I interviewed I think eight out of the twelve writers that wrote the t- top ten list. It's something close to that percentage, and hearing them talk about writing the top 10 was always fascinating because in a way they hated the top 10 because they had to write sometimes 200 jokes every day to get the 10. But they said, when you're dealing with a celebrity, now you got to please the head writer. You got to please Letterman. You got to please the publicist, the agent, and then finally Jerry Seinfeld or Chris Rock, you know, there is such a tunnel that it goes through that they said they hated doing the celebrity ones. So what was amazing is on the floor, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, she doesn't like her line. And it's fun because the writer who wrote it told me it sucked. He knew it sucked. And he told me, put it in boldface in the book. This joke sucked. (laughs) So I did. I boldfaced it for him. And she gave it to Jerry, and she's like, Jerry, they want me to say this. And Jerry's like, that's not funny. And so he went to the head writer and said, this isn't funny, and I know some things about jokes. And so on the spot, they wrote up a new one, and it's honestly the best it's the best entry and that and Julia says, I'm so proud to be part of another disappointing finale. 
which is a great uh, slam against Seinfeld. And the fact that Jerry's standing there and then makes this face, a comic face, um, it's so great. Uh, I just watched this again because I wanted to see it again. I've watched it probably 10 times, this this whole episode. Uh, what I like about this, this whole episode, um, the final episode of Letterman, you forget that it was 2015 and there was no Trump yet. There was Obama was still there. It's weird to see Dave without a beard. Like I just assume Dave has a beard at this point. So it's literally like a moment in time. Um, and so then the Foo Fighters wrap it up. I love the Foo Fighters. I've seen them four times now. So I was excited about this. I, he has that special story about the Foo Fighters, uh, you know, coming back the night after or the first show after his heart surgery. Um, but here is where I loved your book. Uh, again, we don't want to give too much away. It's the last days of Letterman and I'm talking to Scott Ryan, but so this is the hardest part. Basically, um, the show almost doesn't make air because they're trying to edit to this song, which as I watched it, I said, how did they do this? The Foo Fighters are playing a live song and this video is going and it's matched up. Um, and, and then the Farrah Fawcett part where she says, wow, at the break, uh, I'm like, man, how do they do this? But uh, as you write in the book, they're working on this up till 1135 Eastern time when this thing's <laughs> about to air. Could you imagine the show not airing? I mean, that that's what's great about this book is I didn't, I never knew that, that part. I didn't either. And you know, there's, t- I, my, I'm so excited to talk to you about this because when I do these interviews, I haven't been giving away the end of the book because at heart, I, I hate to give away the end of a story, but I know as a salesman, I'm supposed to be like, that's how you're supposed to sell something. But I keep telling readers, like, this book has a dramatic ending. I'm sorry. Was it, should, we, should we edit this part out? I, my bad. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't edit it out. It's, it, you don't have to because you didn't really give away um, the drama that happens between CBS and and the show as well you know uh, of getting it out that there's there is a lot of drama in that last episode and what amazed me when i started to do these interviews is i had never heard it it's never been reported and even when the book has come out nobody's picked it up and talked about what they really had to go through and how freaking close they were to it being the last show and everyone turning it in and there being nothing there. I mean, that would have been crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I'll ask about the montage in a second. But since we talked about CBS, I, I think the other thing, I remember a radio guy here in St. Louis. His name's J.C. Corcoran. He loves Dave Letterman. He just talks about him all the time. And he's the only reason why I knew the show went 17 minutes over. I would have missed it. And it said, hey, change, you know, change your DVR setting. If you're wanting to record Letterman, the thing goes 20 minutes over. He just said, screw it. We're, we're going over. And that's part of the book, too, that they, the CBS was like, you're doing what? Wait, what? So that's in the book. I'll let people read about that. Um, but the uh, the montage again. So Barbara Gaines, you, you you talk about in the story. She she's the main producer. Barbara had been on the show in the '80s. She yelled from the back. She came out and did some funny bits with with Dave, and then became the executive producer at the end. She's putting it together. Um, and Dave was really involved with this this final montage too. Just tell me a little bit about just how. I think it's great. I think it, how do you end the show? And I I've like I said I've watched that thing fifteen twenty times because it is great. You want to see everything that's in that montage, but you just don't see it really. Right. And I think the part of it 
that's amazing to me is that when you think of a montage that's going to play in 2015, you're going to say, oh, there's going to be moving clips and there's going to be awesome effects and there's going to be all this stuff. And they really go retro. And it's just like, no, it's picture after picture. It's a thousand images in a six and a half, seven minute time frame. And your brain can't take it all in. And that has to be how Barbara and Dave and Jude Brennan and Bill Sheff and these people that work there for 30 years feel. It's more than you can take in. And it's, it's, there's no way anyone is going to end a talk show better than, than that. And I, I saw an article, I think, that came out maybe two weeks later. And it literally described each picture, what what was happening, which I think is great because I don't even know. Like I said, I watched that thing over and over. Uh, I've watched the '80s shows forever, um, so I wanted, I, I just wanted Crispin Glover to be in there, and Madonna with Sandra Bernhardt. I just remember watching those as a kid uh, live. Um, so I want to talk about kind of the staffers you talked to. How did you get, I know you wrote, it took you, what, two years to get Barbara Gaines. I actually contacted Barbara and Bill over Twitter over the past year and a half, too, because I've wanted to talk about Dave, and, you know, I got them to respond, but uh, Bill said, eh, I've already said everything, and then the next day, Bill's at the Cardinal-Reds game with Dave, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this would have been great, because <laughs> I'm a huge Cardinal fan, so I'm like, God, we could talk baseball, Bill, but just tell me. Um, you know, how you got all these people to open up because Dave's a very private man and I'm sure he doesn't like people talking. And I don't think there's any out of school stories that Dave would be, you know, uh, concerned about here. But, but these people definitely, uh, seem like they wanted to tell this story. Well, if it makes you feel better, both Bill and Barbara told me no many times before they told me yes. So, um, you know, they, they, they don't want to talk. And in fact, I begin the whole book with saying, you know, the first thing I heard is I'm regretting this already, <laughs> which really was the attitude of everyone I talked to. I don't think one person wanted to talk to me. <laughs> um, but I think when they understood what my intentions were, I would warm them up. And they understood that I wasn't out to get anyone. I wasn't interested in anything negative. I, it honestly was that montage that started so much of this for me because I wanted to understand, just like you're saying, like how do you do a live performance set to a thousand pictures? I wanted the answer to that question. And I think Barbara got that from our first interview and I talked to, I probably interviewed her three times for the book. And, you, you know, she opened up more and more, I think, once she realized what we were really doing. And the same with Bill Sheff. I think once he thought, okay, this, this is more of a Valentine to the work that they did, then they were, they were apt to, and I never asked anyone ever a question about Dave. So every time they're talking about Dave in this book, it's because they have offered that story up. I always interviewed each person and I only asked them about their job. What did you do between, you know, eight to five, you know, when you're at work? What, what was your job? What was your day? What was your task? What did you do in this episode? And I think they realized then, oh, I'm only interested in the work. 
So what are these uh, folks doing now since uh, basically they find out two years prior, all right, we're all going to be out of a job. Uh, you know, Barbara worked there so many years. Bill worked there so many years. Um, I mentioned Vinny. Vinny's now still working, uh, I guess, with uh, CBS. And you're going to do a podcast with him, I think I, I read. So good for you. Congrats. Yeah, we're still working on it. I'm not sure what's going to happen <laughs> and not. Uh, it's, it's, I'm hoping that that happens. Well, good luck with that. But just uh, their their thoughts on, uh, I guess, how do you work for someone else, right? I mean, are they what are they doing? What are they up to? Some of these people. Well, I think some of them retired. Uh, I think the ones that had worked there thirty years had kind of had enough. I mean, Barbara did do some producing on the Maya and Marty show for a little bit, and she said it was back at Thirty Rock. But I just I don't think her heart is in it, really. Um, some of them are on Seth Meyers. Uh, some are on, if Harry Connick is still on, did he get canceled? I know some people went there. I didn't uh, know. Someone I had the no late, late show. No. So they're working. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah, some of them, like I said, they'd been there for 30 years, so they didn't really need to work. Um, well, the book is called Last Days of Letterman. Uh, Scott Ryan has been my guest, and I really appreciate it. How, so how many – I haven't really checked your uh, bibliography. Are, are you a uh, – have you been writing a lot of books? or How did this, how did this come about that, uh, that this one uh, hit? Uh, like I said, I, I, I like everything Letterman, so uh, I, I needed to see it. But tell me a little bit about uh, your career. Well, I – I'm the managing editor of a Twin Peaks magazine, the David Lynch and Mark Frost show. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. We put out a magazine every three months. So if you're a Twin Peaks fan, you can go to bluerosemag.com. I have a book out about the TV show 30-something, which I did before this. It's similar to the Dave book where I interviewed all the cast and crew and covered that. And then I have a comic short story from my life, I was a stay-at-home dad 20 years ago when there was no such thing as a stay-at-home dad, and I sort of kind of talk about um, the funny things that would happen to me being a stay-at-home dad in the uh, early 90s. So I've been writing for a while. This is the first thing that's sort of actually hit in any way, which is really cool. So... And it's like a dream come true for me to, to get to do something about Letterman. And I started my own publishing company with a friend of mine. That This is our first book out, and we so we're going to be hopefully doing a lot of television books. Really appreciate Scott Ryan spending some time to talk to me about his book, Last Days of Letterman. I read it. Uh, I love it. It talks about, again, the last six weeks of Dave's show, and um, hopefully, like me, you're a fan of Dave. And uh, like I said, Dave, uh, I thought, mailed it in. I actually saw Dave. I went to see his show live. I, that was like a bucket list thing. I don't know if people like the word bucket list, but I did. I wanted to see Dave live. I had never seen him. I went to Kilbourne show. I saw Conan O'Brien uh, when he was at NBC, and it was very neat. But to see Dave in 2010, I thought it was going to be amazing. Uh, it was. It was cool being in line and that, that atmosphere and the energy and then you get in and they're just hopped up and they're like, everybody cheer. And Dave comes out, talks to the audience just a little bit. Uh, and then the show starts right right up. Um, uh, Paul's playing. It's loud. Uh, it's cold in there. It's uh, Everyone has talked about that. Uh, Steve Martin was the guest and it just didn't 
it didn't go anywhere. And I love Steve Martin. I love Howard Stern, but it, it just felt formulaic. They actually taped two shows that day. So I went there, I think, when Dave was right in the middle of just uh, kind of mailing them in. I got to be honest. I love the 80s and 90s uh, Dave. I always feel like he jumped the shark when he had a heart surgery. <laughs> People laugh at me. He's like, oh, so heart surgery, he jumps the shark. But it was fun because he did. I think those last six weeks, it was it was must-see TV to see all these big-name guests coming up and showering Dave with praise. And, of course, ending with the Foo Fighters, one of my favorite bands. It was it was just the perfect finale. And um, like I said, the show basically is a, is a time capsule because, uh, you know, there was no Donald Trump at this point. And, uh, well, whatever you think about that, let's move on. So thank you for joining me here on Here's the Pitch. Once again, sponsored by Massa's Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis, stlmassas.com is where you can find their menus. If you're in St. Louis, there's probably one five, ten minutes away from you. Just make a left turn. You'll find it. If you're passing through St. Louis and you want some great Italian fare, go find Masses. There's no bologna in the cannelloni. I screwed it up. There's no bologna in the cannelloni. That's our tagline. And uh, like I said, if you go on a Wednesday to Baldwin, you can meet Jack Massa in person and you can tell him, hey, Brad Strobinger, my podcast friend, told me to come here, and he said you'd help me out with maybe some free meals. See how that works. Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis, stlmasses.com. That's my title sponsor. Always looking for new sponsors as we move on with this podcast. I'm rejuvenated, reinvigorated to do some more podcasts for you, you listeners who enjoy this. Hopefully you do. Thanks for listening. And now the Trip Daddies will play us out. I thank Craig Strobinger. I forget to mention him, but Craig Strobinger does our theme, the Trip Daddies. You can find them on YouTube. Look for them. They're a St. Louis band, and they are exciting and fun. Thanks for listening.